welcome to the game of crowdfunding interview edition recorded wednesday april 30th 2014 that's right we are back with another interview and i will be talking to somebody that's going to be launching on kickstarter very soon who is joining me on skype tonight this is aaron from ansr entertainments Aaron is joining me. We're going to have a conversation about his game that's coming up on Kickstarter, Angels, Michael's War. We'll be talking about that, of course, uh, very shortly. But before that, we've got to do our warm-up questions, and we've got to get to know Aaron a little bit. So are you ready, sir? Absolutely. I have written down answers after answers after <laughs> answers and scratched four or five of them out for each question. So go ahead. Hit me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what's my middle name? No. <laughs> Beauregard. Oh, damn it. It's such a close to the chest secret. Well, you know, I, I stalked you on Facebook. <laughs> All right. Let's not talk about stalking after. Today. Oh, right, right. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> By the way, again, another, another upfront warning. Aaron and I know each other over from the Game Crafter chat. We, and, uh, we've, talked quite a bit over there we we talk via email so yeah this may be another one where there's some extracurricular chatting <laughs> so i apologize up front but... i do not however <laughs> <laughs> i feel kind of like i don't know what the word is but uh you know i i, I just talked to sean over on on uh via google hangout Hung up over there, jumped over to Skype to talk to, talk to you. So I, I don't know, a, a virtual jet setter this evening. <laughs> any platform, anybody who wants know, to talk, like, go. Whatever, go. You know, this is, you're, this is why I, I have mics. Right huh? Yeah. <laughs> I think you're tweeting right now while you're at it too. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I try to stay focused on, on who I'm, I'm discussing. I, I actually, and, and this is, uh, other than the other night because I, w I had a potential phone call that I had to take if it came in and I warned Sarah, cause it was Sarah and I recording draft picks. I purposely leave my phone upstairs whenever we record or I interview anybody. So the closest anything comes down here is, like uh during main podcast my tablet will come down because i do our show notes and or my outline for the show in google uh, you know in, in a google doc so yeah. uh, otherwise the only electronics down here are the things running to make sure i i get the recording in uh jordan's tablet <laughs> <laughs> you just nabbed it what <laughs> No, it's, I mean, when he's here, he, you know, he brings his tablet too now. Oh, okay. So, uh, th those are the only electronics allowed in the, uh, geek compound while the recording sign is on, if you will. That, that's, that, I, I appreciate it. And that's somewhat impressive. I cannot live without multiple electronics in the room with me. <laughs> well, I'm not, you know, when the recording lights off, I'm saying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. What makes you a geek, sir? The very short answer to that is time and treasure. I enjoy reading comic books. I have for years. Uh, I enjoy playing and obviously making games I have for years. And anything that has to do with any of those things like movies or really bad DVDs like the Dungeons and Dragons movie, I'll even include that. <laughs> uh, watching the guild, watching tabletop, listening to these crazy podcasts. Um, I, I, I just enjoy it. And that's, that's where I spend my time and that's where I spend my money. Uh, that was a good answer, especially the podcast part. I'm just saying. Well, you know what? I'm addicted. <laughs> I won't lie. Uh, and then the companion question to that, of course, has become, do you have any geek level passions for things that other people might not consider geek related? <sighs> no. And, and I'm somewhat ashamed of that. I was, I've, I've been trying to figure out if I really do have any ever since you and I said, Hey, let's go ahead and, and hang out on a podcast together. I, and I even asked Steph, she's my wife slash partner in every bit of this. And she goes, well, I have passions. You know, I like music, like anything from Elvis to Metallica. And I'm sitting here going, you know, I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. You know, that's not a bad thing. Don't, don't feel bad about that, Aaron. <laughs> I kind of do. It, 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 all, all this stuff just seeps into everything else I do. <laughs> even work oddly enough like we were trying to figure out how to do uh an ebook game 
and I figured out how this cool way to go ahead and code it out in a spreadsheet to make the ebooks really, really easy to, to just create by running a couple macros. And I ended up taking that code to work and going, Hey guys, I can go ahead and save us like, you know, 20, 40 minutes off of a daily thing that we do. And it's like, Oh, really? I, I got this from doing games. Honestly, I, it's, <laughs> it's sad. It's just sad. I'm going to guess that your work didn't feel it was that sad. <laughs> No, no, no. I, I got a nice lunch out of the deal. Are you kidding? <laughs> uh, we almost kind of touched on it a little bit there, but what do you do besides uh, make games, sir? I work for a financial firm here in St. Louis, and behind the scenes, we have all these lovely intranet web pages, and my job is to go ahead and help uh, people use those intranet web pages to make everybody's life easier. It, they officially, it's called intranet design specialist. And, um, but in all honesty, it's just, I, I get to go to lots of meetings and work on lots of spreadsheets and look a lot, look at lots of web pages all day long. It's very fun. Actually. I, I, I truly enjoy it. So it, I, you know, I wasn't going to say it, but probably, <laughs> no, no, <yes>. come on. <laughs> probably. Yes. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. I know. I know. I'm another one. <laughs> Uh, I, I really should go back in every interview and do the tally sometime. You really just, you know, create a, create an infographic for it. <laughs> IT education professionals, anybody who works in libraries uh, and then, right. <laughs> Since we anybody have had the cross. Them. Yep. <laughs> All right. So you, you have your, uh, your day job there that you obviously enjoy very much. Oh yeah. So, you know what, even before that, so what made you get into going from like playing games into hobby designing games? You know, it's, I have a very narcissistic, selfish need to go ahead and have things that I make, let, let, let have other people enjoy them. I really just loved in making stuff uh, from, from being a DM back in the day of, you know, Dungeons and Dragons when I'm playing with my brother and my friends at school of making worlds and, and, and eventually making my own really, really bad role playing games, uh, <laughs> to, to go and, you know what? Let's, let's go, let's just go ahead and make other stuff. And then about 2009, uh, Steph and I decided to kind of form a company around it because it's actually kind of a shared, it's a shared hobby that we do. She is the world's absolute best editor and best radar detector of really, really bad ideas. <laughs> and helps me sort them out. Uh, like when we were doing the Kickstarter video for for this project, after agonizing over however many long, she just said, would you please let me have the computer? And she wrote out the script and said, all right, now let's go ahead and record this. And I mean, it, and it turned out way better than anything I was even trying to do. I, I couldn't, I couldn't live without it. So it's, it's really, we, we just, we wanted to go ahead and just share some of these things that we made for us and our family and friends. And we're like, you know what, why not publish it? And Make a little few bucks on the side and, and have other people enjoy it and maybe even help out uh, with, you know, second editions. You kind of flowed into it a bit there. It's a, a shared hobby and that's how the company kind of came about. But was there a kind of light bulb moment for you or you guys kind of went, you know what, this, this could be a company type thing versus we're making things that we enjoy and maybe some of our friends enjoy? It kind of did, and it really started off with with uh, the the desire to make a role playing game better. But one of the one of the role playing games that we started role playing back in, shall I say, our courtship was uh, In Nomine by Steve Jackson Games, which ironically, you know, is about angels. You know, and here we are now with an angels card game. It, it was something that we found really really cool, but some of that setting we didn't like as much. So we started tweaking it and tweaking it and tweaking it and tweaking it, and then it was, you know, what we finally have something that's really kind of a neat world that's that's totally unto itself and that's kind of the thing that we really wanted to put out there so when we when we said okay well we'll do the company and then we started off with the generic universal role-playing game system and then eventually the angels role-playing game with that setting that we wanted to do and it was it, the the light bulb moment really was that that point of we've got something that's different than what we've been playing and it's different enough that it's it's cool, and other people should should kind of hear this story. Do you have other games that you're selling over on the Game Crafter? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, the first, it's kind of funny. Um, we saw the Game Crafter right around 2009 when we when we started our company. We 
we actually um, did a did our role playing game as a print on demand game, and then when we were at Gen Con that year, we saw the Game Crafter for the first time. And on the way back, uh, driving from Indianapolis back to St. Louis, we were we were, we came up with this cool little rummy game, and we uploaded like that version and maybe five other you know types of games that use the same cards but different rules. And eventually, we ended up taking them down. <laughs> and since then, we have a, a little miniatures war game that's out there called Zip Wars and uh, a, a, a mini, I don't even know what you call it. It's called Pyramid of Mars, which has some of my personal really bad artwork on it. So we it, we, we try to diversify a little bit. And, and in June, I'm really happy to say that my exclusive contract runs out with one bookshelf. And I can bring all those role-playing games that, that we've made and have actually made a little bit of money on over to the Game Crafter as, um, as downloadable PDFs, which is nice. You've been designing stuff for quite a while. Yeah. And sounds like designing as a, a couple. Yes. How, how do I want to go about this one? Gently, gently. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a set design process that you guys use and kind of a, uh, division of duties? I mean, I know you said that your wife, Stephanie, is pretty good at the editing side of things. So do you have a process when you decide that you've got a good idea that you want to make into a solid game and have you formulated division of duties uh, since you seem to design as a couple? Somewhat, yes. It, it always starts off with a random crazy idea in my head, which usually I either lose sleep over or I obsess over in the random moments like in the shower or on the way to work driving or when I'm in a very, very boring meeting and I happen to have paper and pencil in front of me. And after I've got it out of my system and I have it out of my head somewhere, then it's usually I'll try to make a miniature prototype portion. And, you know, our computer is the living room TV. So she's usually reading on her nook or reading uh, or reading a book or listening to music or something. And I have the, the big screen on there. So she ends up seeing it. And then usually I print it off and the very first really bad play test comes through and that's where she just comes in and shines. And she says, you know what? That's crap right there. That really, really works. Hey, what about this with that other thing that you did in that other game that, that we were working on? And then it's for Then it's really just getting down to, all right, well, once we figured out that, yes, we have something of a gem, now it's write the rules and I'll usually take the first stab at it and give it to her for the actual rules document and then work on some of the layout stuff. And we'll, we'll usually work on the layouts together on the computer slash TV in the living room. And then finally, it's all the final, everything's a rough draft. You just eventually release it out to the public. That's kind of, kind of my mantra for a lot of this stuff. So when we finally have the rough draft that we want to release out to the public, that's probably been through about three or four different evenings sitting here on the on the computer and going yeah you know what i really like that color blue i really hate that one and who knows how many pre-production play tests and then we finally order something on the game crafter and we get it and we cry because it looks so beautiful and we're so happy that actually it actually holds something in our hands of outside of pieces of paper that gave me paper cuts all week so that's kind of our process in a really large nutshell going back to you know, like the first time you ever discovered and or started using the game crafter did you go through the i've ordered copies of this eight different times because i uh i ordered it and instantly wanted to make a change and <laughs> are you kidding i do that still <laughs> uh everything is a rough draft <laughs> uh, and and then uh, oh my goodness yes i I think was it the first the first order that we did and it was I don't know if you remember when they were first shipping they didn't have nice boxes it was these indestructible uh, boxes I think they even called them indestructo box or something and I remember yes this is awesome oh no that looks terrible on this part or realizing that uh, that I, I I've done one order that we ordered I think three fourths of the cards because I just made a stupid human error and did not put like, you know, five copies of XYZ card and stuff like that. So yes, happened the first time. It will happen again. It has happened in between. Yeah. I've done, I mean, I've, I've done it, especially the early days was like, uh, on the way here, I had already like changed the game and, yeah. and you know, it's like, all right, well, I, I and then, and then you get the, well, you know what? I'm, uh, I feel kind of obligated to play it this old way at least one more time. Right. <laughs> but I've already got the next order in. So 
And I think everybody kind of, especially when you first discover the game crafter, you kind of go through that phase where, oh, absolutely. Uh, until you start realizing how much it's costing you to basically print fancy, fancy, fancy rough prototypes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've now gotten to the point where I'm, I'm getting very, very content with, uh, mocking up cards and putting, putting them in, in card sleeves and even printing them in black and white. And living with that for at least two months before I order from the Game Crafter now. <laughs> at least. Do you guys have kind of aspirations for doing publishing or, or, and beyond like stuff that you put together? Or are you on the, uh, we're designers and we want these games out there. So we'll kind of put up with the necessary evil of publishing or self publishing. I actually really like the self-publishing and the publishing in general. Part of the kick I really get out of this is the business end. I made fun of, you know, doing lots of spreadsheets at work, but I really enjoy figuring out that puzzle of I have these many parts and this is what it costs to make it. And this is what I can go ahead and sell it at. And wow. Okay. So this is the profit I could possibly make. It, it It's a big game to me and it's fun. So it's not a necessary evil. It is absolutely one of the, one of the benefits that I enjoy doing. And as far as doing it for somebody else, I don't have a problem with that. I, I hate the legality of it somewhat of, you know, Oh, Hey, we have to have this cool contract that says, cause, cause part of me also wants other people to, to do this kind of stuff. And I understand that, you know, not everybody likes that business side. It is a necessary evil for them, but you know, I, I want to encourage people go ahead and make your own game because that's one of the top five feelings that you'll ever have is having that oh, your own game sitting in your hand. It's wonderful. And, and it is even enhanced when you do all that background stuff, at least to me. But, uh, no, I mean, if somebody said, if, if I see a game and, and, and I go, wow, you know what? That's really cool. And that would be really fun to, to help them publish. I will be more likely to help them get there and help edit their rules and help them use GIMP to do their artwork or something. Uh, rather than just try to take it over and publish it for them. Because, I mean, why? Why wouldn't they can go ahead and enjoy the same thing I do? Well, that's that's assuming they want to enjoy the same thing you do. Yeah, this is very, very <laughs> true. This is so true. Not, I, I, not everybody's a spreadsheet junkie. I no. get that. And, uh, you know, like, for instance, the the one person I always kind of go back to and, hey, Matt, um, <laughs> you know, Matt Matt Warden is, yep. you know, we're we're friends. and And I've talk to him off and on about it. And I know end of the day, I think he would be happiest to just be designing games and have somebody else dealing with everything else. Absolutely. And he's done the self publishing thing. He's, uh, had his, had a, a game picked up and, and over in, in Europe and, uh, and now he's got a game in with, you know, that the, the first game that Happy Mitten is going to produce is going to be the Matt's game. And so he's hit all of those angles and he's one of those people I know that is like, yeah, I'll, I'll take a little less profit to just have somebody else deal with that side of things so I can keep, you know, designing. So I, he's more of an artist of sorts. I mean, is that. Is that kind of the mentality that he has of just well, I, let me concentrate on the art of it? Yeah, well, I, yeah, I think he's very much just, he, he's very much into the, the design process and not so much into the business back end side of things. I mean, obviously, you know, he, he, he wants his compensation for his design, but I think he's very comfortable with the fact that he would get less compensation, but have the ability to have more time to design the next thing that he wants to go on to. Well, that makes sense. So from there to then I like to talk about my buddy Jeff, Jeff Cornelius over at Cosmic Wombat Games, who I believe, if I remember that story correctly, is, you know, he tried his hand at designing, decided he didn't really like the designing side and wants to full-blown just publish things and help people get published. So I, I talk to everybody through the whole spectrum, so I always like to kind of get a, a feel for where everybody sits in that because there are some people, especially now with Kickstarter being the way it is, that are like, well, you know, I can't seem to get a publisher interested. I guess I guess I'll do the publishing myself. You know, and there there are people that put up with that piece to get their game out there but would be extremely happy if somebody else did it for them. 
Right. Because <laughs> they don't want to deal with, with with all those logistics. I, I, I can I can totally see it. I probably fall definitely closer to the publisher side, but I still really do enjoy designing the games. I, I have I have way too much fun with it. Okay. And I get more sleep when it gets out of me, and and that's important to me. So I mean, as far as because I mean, you haven't done your Kickstarter yet, but I'm I'm assuming, and maybe I'm assuming wrong. You'll have to let me know. No, fair enough. But have you started kind of looking into and dealing with you know like the manufacturing and what you'll do for distribution and and fulfillment and all that stuff already? Yes, absolutely. That was, that's part of that fun number crunching that I really wanted to do up front. And, and actually that, that's kind of the reason that we're, that we're doing some of the Kickstarter is because I, I wanted to do it. I wanted to see it. I wanted to see what this process was like. And, uh, yes, the, I definitely have, have, I have multiple spreadsheets all about that. (laughs) (laughs) And, And that's just, it's another level too, where you kind of, in front of the spreadsheet a bit too, because you've got to make all those, you know, inquiries and contacts and all that right. stuff. So, so you enjoy that piece as well? I do. I, I, I really do. It probably goes back to way back many, many moons ago. I, I got to go ahead and manage a comic book store and the owner, he, he didn't want to deal with stuff on the weekend. So I kind of took things over and eventually I took over a lot of the ordering and trying to figure that out and then trying to figure out the shipping. And, you know, this is, this is back in college, for goodness sakes, you know, or, or like early days of college where I, when I knew nothing and thought I knew everything. And it was so fun to, 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 to play with that and, and get that, especially in, in the, in the hobby genre of, of retail. And so when I, when we started doing the Kickstarter stuff and even just for the, for those other games that, that are not Kickstarter, that's kind of like riding out a bicycle and, and just jumping right back on and going, Oh yeah. Okay. I remember how to do this. This is fun. We're, Probably getting close to the time where I, I'll uh, flip this conversation over to where we can start talking about the actual Kickstarter you're going to be running. But before we get there, sure. yes, sir. <laughs> since you kind of mentioned the comic book store thing, I mean that's one of the things that Aaron and I yes <laughs> get to have a little bit of conversation about every once in a while. Not not as often as probably either of us would probably like, just because we're, that's the kind of geeks we are. But. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we're we're uh, both enjoy Arrow. Oh yes, which is a topic of conversation for us. And I know you are you still working on the uh, Suicide Squad inspired game, or have I, you, you I, kind of put that to bed? I absolutely am, am still working on it. It's probably in its its near finalish draft. I really I want to go. I don't want to release it yet because you know I have this other game thing coming out Uh, and and it's it's kind of i know one could possibly eclipse the other but (laughs) absolutely suicide squad is is the comic book that that is 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 my is my watershed moment of geekdom i in all honesty i remember very specifically getting issue number four that was the very first issue i ever bought of, of the squad it wasn't my first comic book but definitely of the squad and i'm like wow this is awesome who's this guy named deadshot this is great and these are all villains and they're doing these weird you know morally gray things and then i remember the next issue that i could get at the store was 11 and then 12 and then 13 and in issue number 13 they had a crossover with justice league and i was searching for the justice league comic book in 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 every single convenience store my father would drive me to and i at that point in time i realized oh my god i'm collecting comic books i i'm i'm this is it i'm in oh oh dear what do i do now and it is it is still by far my my absolute favorite i i have an old denim jacket with suicide squad painted on it that my dad and i did nice. back in the day yeah oh, it, i was i was i was just head over heels into this <laughs> Um, and, and still to this day, obviously, I, I want to make a game about villains doing missions and, and working for, you know, morally gray reasons uh, for the government. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Aaron was kind enough to send me an uh, early copy. Uh, I wasn't going to mention that you hadn't played it yet, Jeff. It, well, I, I am be- <laughs> just because of the simple fact that it haunts me every time I see that attachment <laughs> sitting in my, yeah. I even told, I told Jordan about it. I was like, Jordan, we got it. You know, he's, he's based it on Suicide Squad. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's a just, one player game. You can do it by yourself. You I, don't even need Jordan. No I, Canadians I, are needed for I, this. 
Oh, that's always a plus. See, now it just, now it just went to the top of my list. But it, you know, it's just, it's the, it's the whole, it's, it's the, uh, privileged curse. I think some people would call it of being the game reviewer, right? It's like, uh, you know, Jordan and I scramble to find time to make sure we get our reviews in and, and get those games in. And, and we very rarely lately, it seems like we, we play to just play. Sure. So it's just like, every time I, every time I see that attachment there, it's like, damn it. <laughs> Cause I am a big from early. I mean, right now I, I haven't caught up with what's going on with Suicide Squad now. I know Jordan's kind of read it and it's, it, it kind of piques my interest just because of the fact that it is the suicide squad but i was a huge suicide squad fan back in the day as well and i was not a big dc person uh i was i was a marvel boy but suicide squad and teen titans were the two that i oh. consistently read that were dc from back in the day so I, I absolutely, yeah, I was right there with you. It's like, oh my God, these are villains and, and they're, they're forcing them to try to do good things, but they always try to figure out a way not to. And, right. And, oh, exploding collars. And oh my God, this is it for me. <laughs> my early memories of, of comics and not, I mean, I, I read comics up to this point, but to my realization that comics meant something to me. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, they, they were, I had an, an emotional investment actually is, is what I would say is my friend. And apparently, you know, it's, we were, we were young and stupid. So nobody, which thankfully nobody understood the, uh, the value of what they had. Um, <laughs> fools, fools. Exactly. He had at the time and I can't remember how many, but it was like, you know, hundred plus ish, I mean, up to close to 200, I think, but he had the full run of the X-Men. Oh, wow. And he just like, bam here. And I, I borrowed it for part of a summer and I read straight through. No wonder you were a Marvel boy. Yeah. And so I was so, I mean, like, like to the point where I don't know if I've ever even told this on the podcast. I'm not sure if I have or not. I'm not sure if I might've, uh, I know I've told Jordan at one point, but to the point where, like, when Colossus broke up with Kitty, I was just like, "What the hell is wrong?" With, you know, and and when and when the Juggernaut started beating uh, beating Colossus's ass after the breakup, I'm like, "That's what you get." <laughs> I was just so emotionally invested. I was so mad. I was like, "Kick his butt!" <laughs> yeah, I I remember crying at at least one Sergeant Rock comic book in my time. And really getting like, cause after squad, I followed John Ostrander, Ostrander. I will never pronounce his name properly. I'm sure, but I love everything that he does. Uh, but I followed the specter and I remember getting really hit with, you know, deep religious stuff in that book and going, man, yeah, it, it, these, these I, I love those stories that do that. I, I, those are awesome. <sighs> Good I times. know. Good times. See, we, we, we need to just have a comic podcast I know. where we just reminisce about. Well, you know, you know, I got a, I got an opening on the network now that they've canceled Almost Human. Did they really cancel it officially? Yeah, they've officially canceled it. So that's one podcast we'll be taking uh, that won't be coming back on the Geekcast Network. <laughs> I, I am, I'm so sorry, sir. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can, you can do Almost Comics <laughs> where we talk about the things that really should be like. Why did Chase get canceled? That comic should never gotten canceled. And, yeah, I, I think maybe that's what the almost podcast should be. Just everything that almost could have been. Yeah, do it. <laughs> just, just do it. Get special guests in who are really ticked off about things like, you know, the all new Marvel or the new 52 or something and bring them in, bring them into rant. You'll probably get a whole bunch of hallelujahs from the crowd. Uh, all right. <laughs> now, now's that time. Oh, right, right. Business. <laughs> Business. You've got a Kickstarter coming up. I, I Am I correct? It's May 6th you're going to launch, right? Tuesday, Actually, May, no? um, I'm, going, I'm going to launch tomorrow morning, May 1st. Oh, are you? Yes. Uh, we, we, we decided let's just do the entire month of May. Um, why All right, not? So, so I'm not crazy. You were originally thinking May 6th. Yes, yes. Oh, we thank God. We were originally thinking May 6th, <laughs> and I know you you're, you were not, well... Well, yeah, they're not mutually exclusive. I know, I know. <laughs> but yes, we we are actually just going to going to do the entire month of May, get get a full thirty one days of it, and uh, 
and and see what we can do. All right. So you'll be launching May 1st. I'll be launching May 1st. Okay. So this will be for Angels, Michael's War. Yes, sir. And now is the time where you get to give your high-level pitch for Angels. Oh, wait. That sounds like pressure. So Angels, Michael's War is a light, casual card game uh, about angels. Two to four players, 20 minutes or less. And if you can match symbols and count points at the end, you can play this game. And we really designed it partially out of the that love for angels. I mean, we started off playing in Nomine as a role-playing game as a couple, you know, Steph and I. And now we've got this whole cool world that we've been playing for years in various iterations. And we finally said, you know what? We're on Game Crafter. We, we like to make card and board games. Let's make a card game in this world. And we just went through this whole process and made this fun, light, casual game about angels. And it's it's been a blast so far, and I'm really looking forward to funding. Okay. If you had to describe your target audience for Angels, who would you say that was? I would probably say it is the non-hardcore gamers. This is not a brain-burning game by any means. It is not a game that is going to be lasting hours and hours and hours. It is something that... If you enjoyed some of those lighter Steve Jackson type games, I mean, I don't want to, I, I don't want to compare it to a dice game because it's not, but like the zombie dice or the, the munchkin esque kind of stuff to where it is, it's a little bit more of a filler between those brain burners. It's for those non gamers and those who, who want something that's a little bit lighter. But also, I guess the other part of the audience is quite frankly, anybody who somewhat believes in angels or who likes it or, I will even say, dare I mention, you know, religion and politics or something, uh, the, the Christian, the evangelical crowd, because we make no bones about it that these angels, you know, there, there are symbologies of Christianity in the cards. And we, we use that mythology as part of the game very, very heavily. I mean, it's, it's hard, it's hard for a designer to not put a little bit of themselves in it and, we go to church every week. That's one of the big things that we do as a family, and it, it absolutely has influenced this game. So I guess, too, the, the quote-unquote Christian crowd, if there is such a thing. You don't know? Well, okay. See, see, here, here's, here's kind of my rant on this. Sure. I love rants. You, I, I, <laughs> I heard on one of the podcasts, we got a two-for-one special. It was very nice. I was, I was very pleased. You know, plus one for that. So, okay, here, here's my rant. I have no problem. And if family Christian bookstores came to me and said, Hey, we really like this angels game. We want a million copies of it in our stores. I would not say no, because I'm not that foolish. <laughs> However, I kind of believe, and this goes with music. This goes with, um, art. This goes with games that it's, it's a game. It, this is a game. It's not a Christian game. And I, and I don't, I don't like having that label out there. Kind of like, I, I don't know. This is a, it's not a comic book game. It's a game. It's not a game about, uh, gay or lesbian things. It's, it, it's, a, it's just a game and it should just be held as a game and in the space of games and not separated apart from it. it it's kind of demeaning when you go ahead and you say, Oh, this is a Christian game. Because it either says to people, well, if you're not a Christian, you shouldn't and can't play it. Or it says, you know what, this is this is only for a certain type of crowd. So this is a game. And yes, it has Christian stuff in it, period. And th th that's kind of my rant. I just, I, I oh. That's that's fine. I can get behind that because I kind of, Chris Leader and I kind of go back and forth on it. And we obviously are giving each other a little crap. But. That's just our relationship. Sure. <laughs> I, I can totally say that with Chris. I absolutely love his games and I've had a chance to chat with that personality. <laughs> <laughs> but, and this isn't specifically at Chris. This is in general, but Chris and I usually have the back and forth, but I, I get the same way about basically anybody that has to say, Oh, this, this genre is played out. This, this genre is, can we just be done with this genre? Right. And especially from somebody that, you know, I play a ton of games. <laughs> what? Um, you? No. no. I don't subscribe to that philosophy. So uh, obviously the thing that 
Chris will like to say, and, and he's usually targeting me, is, oh, no, another zombie game. And I'm like, you're right, because there aren't enough train games. We should make more of those. <laughs> you know, and, and we kind of do that back and forth. But I really, I really do firmly kind of believe that. I, you know, I don't care if you throw a game in front of me that says zombie, zombie, zombie on it or train, train, train. I want to know the game. And if the genre slash theme fits the game. So you, if you give me a solid game, I don't really care what's on top of it. Uh, I mean, you know, everybody has their loves of various themes and all that stuff. Don't get me wrong on that part. I'm just, to me, I'm not going to turn away a game just, Oh, it's got cowboys in it, you know, or whatever. It's okay. Let's, let's see how it plays. Oh, this is a solid game. And that's my opinion anyway. Well, and, and, and I'm the much more of the casual gamer than the hardcore gamer personally. I mean, as much as I enjoy creating and doing all this stuff, I don't spend every waking moment playing every single game that's ever been on board game geek. And so honestly, theme is, is one of those things that says, that says to me, this is me playing devil's advocate, uh, by the way, theme says to me, Hey, this is something that interests you like a suicide squad game. Oh, okay. Well, I will probably give that one much more of a look than the 16 other games that are sitting on the shelf because it does have something that zeroes me in. So. And, and that I don't, I mean, that I, I'm perfectly fine with. I mean, like I said, everybody has their favorite themes or whatever. It's when people start saying, can we be done with this? Just, right. And again, it's just because you don't necessarily like that theme. That's fine. And you don't ever have to play those games, but to. And and you see it off and on quite a bit here, especially recently. I've seen it quite a bit. But the whole, can we just be done with this? And right now, one of them is zombies. Another one right. is Cthulhu. Uh, and yep. again, like, but you, you hardly ever hear the, can we be done with trains? And there are almost as many train games as, as the other oh, two easily. as well. Easy, yeah. If if it isn't Chris making them, it's anybody in Europe. So I mean, <laughs> you're absolutely right. And again, I don't have a problem with train games. No, 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 no. I quite, hey, I, I have Trainmaker 1.0 from Chris and it is, it is absolutely one of my favorite games uh, that, that sits on our shelf. So no, I, but that again, I, to your point, I think it was the gameplay absolutely tied us into it. I mean, I got it because it's trains and I have a four year old in the house and he's like, daddy, that's trains and that's a game about trains. I'm like, yep, here we go. I'll buy it. <laughs> you know, obviously that spoke to my son. The theme did. And now, yes, at, once we played the game, Hey, I can't wait for Chris to sign it. Why don't we go to Gen Con? <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, so now that I can kind of pull us back from both of our rants. Oh, um, right, right. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, while you were talking, one of the questions that kind of popped into my head was recently on Kickstarter, we, we've been, we've been a little lucky here recently. The, the bubble on family slash casual games is kind of burst. But do you have any concern about the fact that you're kind of bringing in more of a family slash uh, casual style game onto Kickstarter? Because until that more recent burst, I mean, they were rare to fund. And if they did, they be- would barely fund. I'm not worried about it, primarily because of, yes, while it is a lighter casual game, it also has some of the look of of a deeper game. So the, I love the artwork of this of this game, and that was one of the fun parts of putting it together. And that look kind of bumps it up a little bit into that to that heavier, geekier feel of a game, or even look of a game, even though the mechanics are actually much lighter. So I'm not I'm not scared of it, if that's what you're <laughs> asking. And and really, we have through some interesting number crunching and decisions made by the game crafter, which I totally support. We actually have a pretty low funding goal of seven hundred and seventy seven dollars, which is nice and thematic. Yes. As well. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's so, okay. So you're going for a really low funding goal. Right. I, I, I kind of, I kind of liken it to Zoodlums or Zooligans, depending on which version that you <laughs> ended up getting. Depending on what side of that uh, cease and desist you were on. Right. Right. So <laughs> I, I think they were something like 630 or $680, if I remember right. And, and I'm like, oh, you know what? They, they can do it. And realistically, this is a game about a genre that is not it's not Cthulhu. It's not zombies. It's not trained. It's not out there. That is, that is so widely wanted and needed and everybody has to have. This is angels. So it's either going to appeal to somebody who likes to make angel decks in Magic the Gathering or has 
somewhat of that, you know, religious bent that would be, oh, this would be kind of cool or that, you know, pastor or, or youth minister or something like that that's going to say, oh, well, hey, look, here's here's a game and it doesn't really go ahead and say really bad things about God. All right. I'll, I mean, you know, it, it's a small, it's a small niche. So I, I'm pretty sure we can get 777 plus. We got friends and family and we're actually going to a convention here in St. Louis, uh, in mid-May, right, right in the slump of, of the Kickstarter, um, running tournaments where people can, can go ahead and win the game and special artwork prints from the artist who's going to be there. And also we're giving out special cards if they would actually get on our tablets and pledge while they're sitting there. Oh, so nice. I, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure we we have the plan will allow us to get our funding goal. Okay. And before I go to the next question that popped in my head, uh, how much yeah. for a game? What's the pledge level to get a game? Well, this is kind of funny. So originally, when when I originally did all the math and did all the numbers, we were having twenty dollars get you the core game. And then we had stretch, uh, and, and our original funding goal was two thousand dollars, and our first stretch goal was at five thousand dollars. We'll include an expansion, and then at ten thousand dollars, we'll include another expansion. And along the way, we had some extra cards that we were going to pop in. Then the game crafter made some very smart business decisions, and they kind of reduced bulk pricing for how much a game costs per you know whenever you do multiple copies. And they are doing the complete 100% fulfillment for this, and we totally support them. But when they made that change, we then had to change our numbers because at $2,000 we actually lost money. And so now, in order to get a, in order to get the game, we've we've rearranged everything. For $20, you can get a basic game, which gives you everything you need to play in a nice tuck box, so that you can take it to the restaurant and play while you're waiting for your food. At $52, you can get the deluxe version of the game, which gives you the basic game, plus a player board, plus tracking mats, plus we have a year's worth of expansions done for this game and that we're going to be releasing over the next 12 months. We're going to throw all those expansions into the deluxe version of the game. So $20 or $52, depending on what you want to spend. So the question that I had that kind of popped into my head while we were talking, because I know you've been involved in the conversations. Ooh. But there have been so many people involved in the conversations. I want to have it again specifically just with you. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So you're going for $777. Yes. I know you've been in the chat when I've been talking to a couple other people about the mental marketing side of yes. not necessarily having that lower goal and, and how some people may or may not perceive that. So you're... Testing the other side of the theory, which is not a bad thing to necessarily test. And, and one of the things I always tell everybody is, you know, here's, here's my opinion. Here's, here's what I would say. But end of the day, you have to be comfortable and it's your project. And this is one of those times that obviously you're probably asking for a little less than I would suggest most people ask for, but you have a reasoning behind it. So let's, uh, discuss that for a minute. Sure. Yes, uh, you're absolutely correct. $777 is one of those you go, really? I mean, why, why are you even asking for the money at that point? It is part experiment. It is also knowing that there is a niche for this and not overextending it. I mean, if I put it out there for $5,000, realistically, I don't know that I could get, I mean, at what, $5,000 at 20 bucks a pop for the basic game? You know, you're, you're talking 250 copies. So you're doing 250 copies. And if you break it out, if you everybody buys a deluxe version and you're dealing with a hundred copies, I, I, I don't know that it would sell that well with the audience that I know that we have and with the tactics that we're going to be using to, to go ahead and get people interested in it. It's a lower goal, partially because I know what we're doing and, and, and what we're trying to do. Plus, this is another part of the experiment. We don't have stretch goals. We don't have add-ons. It is, you can get a basic game, you can get a deluxe game. And we just said, instead of having stretch goals and things of that nature, just pop everything in a deluxe game. If they want it, they'll, they'll go ahead and buy it. So it's, it's a dual experiment. And because of that, yeah, you know, 777, it goes thematically with angels, which, you know, I, I think will help with some of that mental model. Um, but also it's, it's knowing your audience and knowing your niche and, and not trying to overplay your hand on it. And if we're wildly successful, Awesome. I will try to find more things to put in the games if we can, if we can afford it and do it. I actually, uh, kind of like the, the idea, the experiment of the, and 
there have been a few others that haven't, especially smaller and short short run campaigns. But uh, since you are going the full month, uh, it'll be kind of cool to watch something that kind of has that. Uh, we don't have any stretch goals. This this is this is the game that we've designed kind of thing because that's one of the questions that I've been asking on and off lately. For people that have, especially people that are kind of coming back to Kickstarter and, and are utilizing it as part of their company model is <laughs> the fact that you are going to Kickstarter and you, you know what's expected on Kickstarter. Is that leaking kind of into your design process where you've got to start going, ah, I need stretch goals and, and are you may, you know, and, and that fine line between uh, here's the game that I meant to produce, or here's the game I'm putting out and I hope to stretch goal into the game I meant to produce. And, and you know, those little fine lines that people seem to be walking. You know, this campaign is going without stretch goals, but even when we designed the game, I didn't know if I was going to go to Kickstarter with it at first, but when we first started playing it and when we first started looking at it, and really when we played it, the artist is actually Alan Earl, who is Steph's cousin. And so he, the, him and his wife come on up for all sorts of family functions. I mean, they, those two are like brother and sister, truthfully. They're not cousins. They, they, I truly believe that they somehow lived in the same house somewhere because of the, the, it's just very familial. And so when he saw, you know, this, this game and, and heard about the idea, he said, let me go ahead and do the artwork for it. And so we, we really based the game off of, well, okay, well, what do we want in, in a game? And then Alan started drawing more and more artwork for it. And we were like, okay, okay, wait, this is awesome because I can go ahead and do our expansion based off of these pieces of artwork because I can create a whole new mechanic for it. And so for, for this game, we did not design it and, and it never seeped in that, well, we're going to do stretch goals. We, we honestly thought this is the good core game. And as more stuff started flowing out creatively from both Alan and I, from either artwork or from just crazy ideas of how to twist the game with new mechanics, uh, we ended up just coming up with expan- with expansions. And that's really how we were going to release it. And the original plan of here's a basic game and your stretch goals are including those expansions was just we were going to do those expansions anyway. We're, we just want to offer it day one so that people don't have to wait. And it's kind of the same thing now. Now, if you get the deluxe version, hey, congrats. You get everything we we're going to do for a year. We can just sit back and do nothing. One of the questions I've been asking a lot lately is this one. Somebody is checking out your page and they are on the fence. They're like, I might like this game. Give me a couple things that you would tell somebody to make them go, you know what, Aaron, you're absolutely right. I have to back your game right now. One, it's a semi-unique theme. There's not a lot of games out there about angels. That's part of the reason that we made it. That's That's part of the reason that that we're happy that it exists because it's a card game about angels and uh, not, not many people have stuff like that in their collection right now. So, Hey, collection people go ahead, uh, get a game about angels, add it to it, put it next to, to everything else that you have. Uh, the other thing it's light, it's casual. It doesn't have a huge barrier to get past for the non gamers. And if you have any kids or I, I, I hate to say this, but generally the females and the kids really, really like this game. I don't know why, but every person I have showed it to, the guys are like, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. But the girls and the kids, they are like, this is so awesome because I think that I think they, they get it and they and they like some of the artwork. So Angels, which is in, in most people's collection, light and easy to teach just about anybody else. And quite frankly, some really, really awesome artwork about Angels. So if you even like cool art, angel art, go for it. This This stuff has some really good stuff and some demons that'll give you nightmares. <laughs> All right. So we are getting somewhat close to the end of our time here. So I know you haven't launched yet and this will be your first Kickstarter, but there's always lessons to learn up to launching a Kickstarter. So do you have any lessons that you can share with uh, other listeners about the Kickstarter process? Yes. Planning and forethought will usually go ahead and stop pain and suffering later. They, you know, getting your numbers up front for how much is it going to cost to ship, not just to your house, but also to 90210 in Beverly Hills if you need to. Going over your, the quotes of everything, not just your basic game, but what if you included this stretch goal? And what if you included that stretch goal? Getting all those numbers up front 
makes it a whole lot easier if if something kind of just comes out of the blue and changes like the US Postal Service changing rates or something like that. So crunch your numbers, crunch your numbers three, four, five hundred times, and then also have fun with it. The, and not just the business side, but, but even, even making the game and making the, the, the video for it and making the, the Kickstarter page. Have fun with it and, and, and get your friends and family involved because it's a fun experience. This is, this has been such a fun ride. It is, and it's not like anything we've ever done before in our gaming world where, where usually, uh, you know, it's, it's a two person show. It's Steph and I going ahead and, and doing, you know, the art and the editing and the layouts and everything. We've included, you know, for, you know, her cousins, or, you know, her, her cousin Alan and, and his wife Layla and, and her parents. And, you know, I've got my brother to play thousands of times. Have fun with it and get as many people involved as you can because it, it's, it's a fun ride. It's a fun experience. And even if you don't fund on Kickstarter, you still have that regardless at the end of the day. And, and it's worth it. It's totally worth it. All right. I'm going to try this. And the uh, uh, second time tonight, I'm going off the top of my head. So I'll, I'll, <laughs> co- I'll come back to you for confirmation when I'm done here. Ready? Okay. Yes, sir. All right. Angels Michael's War will be launching on Kickstarter May 1st, 2014, going the entire month of May. Looking for $777. $20 will get you the base game. $52 can get you the deluxe game. And of course, as always, check out the show notes. I will have a link in the show notes to the project. How did I do? Fantastic, sir. Excellent. Matter, matter of fact, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and put that somewhere on my webpage. Just, <laughs> just going to take the snippet. <laughs> All right. Aaron. Thank you, sir, for hanging out with me and uh, having this conversation. Jeff, I appreciate it. It's actually so fun to, to actually talk to you instead of just listen to you all the time. It's, <laughs> it's nice to yell back once in a while and you actually hear me. This is, this is wonderful. I imagine there's a lot of yelling when I'm talking. Out there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really just at Jordan. It's okay. You're fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, Jordan. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I really don't dislike you that much. <laughs> eh. <laughs> obviously, obviously you haven't spent enough time with them. No, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That will be another interview, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for hanging out with us. Like you said, go check out the Kickstarter, see if it's something you're interested in. And I will be back soon with more interviews. So thanks for listening and talk to you later. This podcast is a proud member of the GeekCast Network. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other podcasts with a geek culture slant, head over to geekcastnetwork.com where you will find podcasts such as Almost Podcast, a fan-driven companion podcast for the Almost Human television show, the GeekCast Network. You can broadcast your geekiness at geekcastnetwork.com.